Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 45 of That Gives Me Anxiety. 45, wow. I'm recording the intro for this episode a little bit early because next week I will be, or the week that you're listening to this, I'll be in New York City. Yeah, going there for a wedding and then going to go to my office for the first time since the pandemic started. That'll be strange. Also, the fact that I live in South Carolina and my office is in New York. <laughs> Figured while I'm there, I should uh, pop in. And so, yeah, I wanted to do this so next week I can just focus on visiting family and all that good stuff. Man, my arm is dead, though. Just got the my fourth COVID shot, so like the double booster and a flu shot. Feels like I got punched in my shoulder. But yeah, I've got a great episode lined up. It's the full interview I did with public speaking coach Rokita Johnson. Public speaking is such a big fear that people have, so I wanted to share everything that Rokita had to say uh, because there's a lot of good information in there. But before we make our way over to the interview, I just want to remind you to check the show out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, or YouTube. You can see my new haircut if you're watching on YouTube. Not thrilled with it. Yeah, it's eh. If you're liking the show, please remember to rate and review it. And I also want to remind you of the Buy Me a Coffee link. It's in the, it's in the description wherever you're listening. Through that link, you can make a donation of whatever amount you feel comfortable with. And that is always greatly appreciated. Well, I hope you're having a great week. I know I will be at the time in the future for me now, but present for you listening. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Joining me on the podcast, I'm thrilled to be speaking with Rokita Johnson, who's a certified speaking cho- uh, who is a certified speaking coach. Oh my goodness, Rokita, I'm so excited to to have you here with me. Thank you, Patrick. I'm so excited to be here as well on this Friday. Yeah, we are going to be talking about public speaking, which is something that causes a lot of people a ton of anxiety, and I'm sure as a speaking coach, you've seen. You've seen people who are pretty shaken. Absolutely. Public speaking is still one of those fears that somehow always seems to make those top 10 fears lists that Mm -hmm. comes out every year. Maybe it's not number one or number two, but it's usually somewhere on that list. It's just one of those fears that we have. It's, It's scary to be on display, so to speak, in front of other people and think that, oh, if we make a mistake, they're judging me. So mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely still one of those fears. Usually it goes one and two with death, which is hilarious. That, like the end of yeah. your life or giving a speech. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. What's, what's that old saying that people would rather be the person in the casket instead mm-hmm. of the person delivering the eulogy? That's yeah, so true. There, there's probably some truth to that. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of pressure that gets put on people delivering eulogies as well. It's like wrap up their whole life, make me cry, make me laugh. Like it's it's a it's a huge order. So yeah, I, I understand the pressure there. Well, why do you why do you think people are so nervous about public speaking? There's a few reasons, Patrick, not just one. Uh, I think the number one fear for a lot of people is fear of judgment. I am afraid that if I make a mistake, they're going to throw tomatoes at me, uh, which is (laughs) absolutely not true. 
the audience is waiting for me to just trip up. They want me to mess up somehow, which could be, it could not be further from the truth. The audience wants you to do well. No one wants to waste their time. That's what I remind my clients. No one wants to waste their time when they're going to see a speaker deliver a presentation. They want to get value from whatever it is that you're talking about. They don't want to see a train wreck on stage. They don't want to see a speaker having a meltdown. That is not why the audience is there. They want to see you do well because they want to get the information that you do have. So no, the audience is not looking to tear <laughs> us apart on the stage. So that's the first one. It's judgment. Another reason is perfection. I think this is a little more with women, a little more so than men. Just wanting to deliver a flawless presentation, wanting to have a seamless execution. I don't want to hear to be out of place. I don't want to trip over a word. I don't I don't want to to blink out. Well, of course, no one wants to forget anything that they said, but it's just these expectations that we put on ourselves that cause undue stress. So wanting to be perfect and you're never going to be perfect mm -hmm. just for the record. That's not going to happen. <laughs> but even things like wanting to make sure that we don't bore the audience. That's also another reason that people get nervous. I want to make sure that I'm engaging them. I, I don't want to see that glazed over look in their eyes. That's going to make me even more nervous up here. So that is a big fear as well, wanting to keep the audience engaged. And also a fear of, of I'm not going to be prepared when I go up there. Now, let me say this. If you did not prepare for your speaking engagement, and then yeah, you should have some type of <laughs> some type of fear there. You you deserve that in mm -hmm. a way because you most likely had enough time to prepare. So fear of not being prepared. But I think for a lot of us, we are prepared. We think that someone's going to ask us a question in the Q and A. We're not going to know how to answer it. Something else is going to come up that's going to make us look like we are not the expert. We don't know what we're talking about here. So those are just a few of the reasons that people really do have that fear of speaking in front of other people. Mm -hmm. A little bit of a imposter syndrome coming up there, especially when you're giving a speech that's supposed to be informational. Uh, I, I could see that being the case. That's a big one, imposter syndrome. I, I've actually had some women say that to me when they schedule a discovery call. And one of the questions on the survey is, you know, what are you struggling with? What do you need help with? And some will admit I struggle with imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. And these are women who a lot of them, they are accomplished. They are working in corporate and yet they still feel like I, I'm going to be found out or, or something like that. I'm, they're going to find out I don't really know what I'm talking about or I'm some kind of fraud up here, which, again, it couldn't be further from the truth. Our mind really does play tricks on us. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to say that mindset is very important. Thoughts come at us. A million thoughts come at us each day. Some of them we're conscious of. We black off some of them that are negative and totally inaccurate. We just let them seep into our brain and we take them as truths when really you really do have to to be conscious of the thoughts that you're accepting of that come at us every day. So it's, it's really guarding your mind. 
That you're you're so right about the pressures that I, I've seen women put on themselves, in, especially in a corporate environment. I feel like, I mean, in the past couple of years, there's been a, a, a big lesson learned and a, a lesson that we're continuing to learn. But the amount of added pressure that women have on themselves in the corporate workplace to be perfect, because they're afraid that they're not going to get the opportunities and the opportunities that they do get. They, they, they put so much pressure on themselves to not squander. And so, yeah, that, that has been certainly, I noticed that in my coworkers and my fiance. And, and so, yeah, that's something to be aware of and something to strive towards improving to making women feel like this is not going to be a one-time shot, right? So it takes the pressure off because it's ludicrous to expect that you would only get one shot to like try something like that or, or to, to speak your mind. Exactly. Exactly. Everything you just said there. And I saw something, well, I read something that was pretty interesting a few months ago. And I don't, I have to do a bit more research on this, but it was saying that more women are afraid than men of public speaking. I couldn't really substantiate that. Not the way I wanted to. I put it like that. I really need to get some, some real information or evidence on it to support that. But I know that one reason that they gave is that more men talking about in corporate here and work, men, you know, even going decades past have had more opportunities in general to do public speaking. You know, men were the ones who were in the workforce. They were the providers for their home. Not all women were working. So public speaking was almost normal for most men to do. And We've seen in the last few decades, obviously, more women in the workforce, women in corporate, C-suite level jobs. And obviously, they have to do more presentations the higher that you get. So obviously, we're looking at things in the aggregate on the whole. Not everybody, not every woman is fearful of public speaking or has imposter syndrome. But I just thought that was interesting. And there may be some truth to that. More men in general have had more opportunities to do public speaking. So again, it. I think it also goes back to just that. It's just having opportunities to speak because the more you do something, the better you will become. The more practice you put into it, it starts to become like second nature. Can we talk? I know you've got a lot on your plate. You've got work, you've got friends, you've got family, pets. You've got the people that you make small talk with at the coffee shop or gym. You've got that bird that you see when you wake up every morning outside your window that you've projected things onto. Look at that bird. Doesn't even love its family. It's always by itself. You do that. Everyone does that. Point is, you've got a lot on your plate. Well, that's why there's Instacart to take a little bit off your plate. Using Instacart, you search for all your favorite foods and things that you need from the grocery store all online, all while you're looking at that bird wondering why it hasn't called its mom. And they deliver it to you. They go to the store and do the shopping for you. And they can deliver it in as fast as an hour. And you can sign up by clicking the link in the description, wherever you're listening or watching. And that's a great way of supporting the show. So it's a great way of supporting this show. It's a great way to make your life a little bit easier because we all know that you have so much going on, like wondering whether that bird judges you back. Well, with the fear of judgment, do you think 
Do you think that's probably getting a little bit worse with how easy it is to record somebody and, and, and throw it up to all their followers, right? Like, whereas let's say it was 20 years ago, I would be more afraid now that I would say something incorrectly and, and, or be like, appear to be sweaty or something and, uh, then have it get like, go viral on TikTok or something. You bring up a very good point. It's very relevant thinking about the times that we're in now, because everybody, everybody does have some type of device that they're just, they're whipping out and recording. It's really nice when you are the speaker at an event and the rules are laid out for the audience, though, which they usually are. No devices. You cannot record this because for one, that organization, they want they own that material. They want to be able to put it out themselves. So they don't want anybody else putting any snippets out there for all the world to see, especially people have to pay to come to these events. It's not fair for others who didn't. But you're right, that is a very real fear for people if that kind of rule is not in place or people can just take out their phones. I'd like to think most people in the audience are a bit more courteous mm-hmm. than that. You know, if it's a smaller audience, it's way easier to see someone pulling out a phone and that can make you very self-conscious and, and whatnot. But that is a good point. But I would say from my own experience, most events I've been at, I typically don't see the pulling out the phones like that, maybe because that rule is in place, (laughs) quite Mm -hmm. honestly. But I think we all have to remember that we are humans. And especially if you're on the stage under bright lights, you probably are going to sweat up there. It's just going to happen. And especially if you've got a lot of energy going, you've been working at stage talking for a good 45 minutes, it's it's going to happen. So there are just some things that we just have to chalk it up to. I'm human. This is what it is. But also for the most part, Thank God for those places that have the rules in place that you cannot sit there and record our speakers. We will put the final material out where they will look great. Absolutely. And and I guess that brings me back. I I love your positivity towards uh, our fellow human beings. But I think like if you're at an event and someone near you pulls out a phone it's like kind of disturbing everyone around them. Right. So it's like, it, it is more yes. unlikely that they would do that even from like a sociological perspective, like you're disturbing the herd by pulling your phone out kind of thing. It's very distracting. You know, I've only probably seen it a couple times. Like I said, for the most part, I don't, but it is very distracting for the people around you. Most likely, again, if it's a big audience, you're looking out into the mass of people you probably won't notice that person who has the phone on you unless they're sitting in what the first two or three rows. Mm -hmm. But for those people sitting around that person, it is very distracting. So it happens, but I don't see it that often. Thank goodness. I'm, I'm thinking more of us are starting to have a little bit more etiquette when we come to these events. I, you know, I even love when my cousin's wedding, I went to in April and she even had a rule there, no recording, no recording the ceremony as we're walking down the aisle, the wedding party. And it's not just her. I'm seeing more people put these kinds of rules in place for any type of event. It doesn't have to be a speaking engagement or a conference. Do not put out, put out your phone. And I like that. I mean, it's kind of sad in a way that we have to make that kind of rule, but it just speaks to the day and time that we're living in. That's great. Yeah. Especially for your cousin's wedding. It's like, 
we hired a wedding videographer. That person has it better than your phone. Yes. <laughs> Don't worry. You're not doing us a favor. Just enjoy yourself. Be present. <laughs> be present. Exactly. That's what it comes down to. Please be present in this moment. Mm-hmm. Be present. And you know what? That's also not just for audience members. It's for speakers. Be present in the moment because again something that i see is self-monitoring that is a disaster for speakers and what i mean by that is you want to monitor everything you say in that moment while you are on stage and again that is something that causes undue stress to you as a speaker for one the audience can tell you're not comfortable up there which can make them feel uncomfortable Mm -hmm. for you you are not going to be able to speak in an authentic, real way because you are so overly concerned about every word that you use. Yes, we practice so that we can have a seamless presentation, a seamless delivery while we're up there. So we know what we need to say. But when you're in the moment trying to self-monitor, and I would say self-monitoring, again, it usually comes from fear of the audience judging us. That is just not a good approach to go to go. And again, something I usually see a little bit more with women self-monitoring, but you that you don't want to do that in the moment, be in the moment. Love it. For good life advice and for public speaking. Do you have a is there a typical person who comes to you? Or 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 what do people usually want? Are, are they corporate or, or are they about to give a, a wedding speech? Uh, who who usually works with you? Great question. So my clients are Christian female professionals and entrepreneurs. So those women who do work in corporate or women who have their own businesses. A couple of my clients, they are dentists. They own their own practices and they are starting to expand their territory a bit more, meaning that they are doing more conferences, speaking at summits, being a part of books, which means that you do have to go on book tours and do presentations. So they're not just using their skills for the work that they do dentistry in this case. They also have another message that speaks to their heart that they want to get out to the masses, but corporate women as well, the professional women, like we were saying, they want to move up the corporate ladder or I'm in this role now and it's more visible. It's different when you were in corporate before and you could kind of be under the radar a bit, but when you're moving up the ladder, you're going to be more visible, which means that you're going to have to do more public speaking. And if you don't, if you don't recognize where your weaknesses are and get the help that you need. It really can be a hindrance to your work performance. So those are the types of women that I get. They know that I am out there more. I might, I'm doing more press stuff on behalf of the organization I work for. I need to come off as more confident. I feel like I am using those filler words. Uh, uh. um, like, like is a big one, especially with the millennial generation. So these are things I need to work on. How, how do I practice my material? How do I decide what content should be in this presentation? I know what it's about as a whole, of course, but I don't want to ramble and 
when you're rambling, that's usually a case of not pinpointing exactly what it is that you needed to put in that presentation that sticks to your core message and then practicing it in such a way that you can keep yourself on track. So definitely the professional women and the entrepreneurial women, that's who my focus is. Of course, when I do trainings, group trainings at organizations, that can be both men and women. Great. Oh, man, I, I edit the like ums and ahs out of this podcast or, or some of them, right? Not not all of them, just because it is. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's, it, it's I try to keep it. From removing how the person sounded, but I just try to clean it up and gosh, it it takes me a long time to, to do because it, it's it's a bad habit. I have it's a bad habit that other people have as well. And I definitely want to ask you how we can overcome that. But I also wanted to say that my reaction to what you were saying is that it seems as though taking a public speaking class would be good for everyone, right? Like you just described corporate women, people who are, who are getting more visible, but being able to speak and, and, and mention ideas to a boss, no matter what the job is, would seemingly help you get further in life. So it's like something that I would definitely encourage people to pursue. Yes, public speaking skills are for everybody. But that's the great thing why there are, there's not just one of me, there's a lot of public speaking coaches out here because pretty much they all focus on a particular type of client that they work with. There may be some that really just want to work with professional men. There are some who... They may work with women. Let me see. What's a good example? They may work with speakers who are just beginners. You know, Mm. that could be one type of client. That's partly my client, too. I love women who are inexperienced or relatively new to public speaking. But just what you said, this really is a skill that is for everybody because Even when you are in, let's say, a meeting with your boss and your boss asks you a question, hey, what do you think about this project right here? That's what we would call an impromptu question. It's in, you didn't know that that question was coming up. You didn't have time to prepare for it, but you do have to answer it. This is your boss, for one. So public speaking can also cover impromptu speaking. It's not always about giving formal speeches, formal presentations. Public speaking can cover different aspects. Impromptu speaking is one of them. How can I confidently give an answer where I don't sound like a bozo here? (laughs) Even, you know, I have to give an answer to this and I need this to sound I need this to sound like it has some type of structure to this answer that I'm giving and that I'm not all over the place, things like that. And I love that you asked this question because that is one of the the suggestions that I give my clients when it's like, well, how can I practice public speaking skills in everyday life? Because we're not giving formal presentations in everyday life. However, there are other things that we are doing that involve public speaking. So I tell them things like speak up in a meeting. If you have a meeting at work, have your remarks prepared. What's your opinion on one of the agenda items? Because most likely you've gotten the agenda in advance 
hopefully you've looked over it. What is your thought about something in particular that stands out? So you might have a strong opinion about something. So prepare your remarks in advance so that you can speak up in that meeting. You might be speaking for one or two minutes. That's that's not going to kill you. It's different than when you're speaking 20 minutes. That might be intimidating for you. If you're having Thanksgiving or Christmas with your family, some families like to say the prayer, the grace before they eat. Volunteer to say the grace. That is a form of public speaking. Mm -hmm. If you're in church, read an announcement or greet visitors. You still got to speak to people. So those are little ways in everyday life that we can hone our public speaking skills. It doesn't have to be a formal 45 minute presentation that we are preparing for. Love that. I I come from an improv background and I feel like that I, I started a little background on my career. I started working in news in like 2011 and got an opportunity to be a presenter and was like, oh my gosh, I better do something. So I started taking improv classes to like help me improve my delivery and and to also be okay with in the moment stuff. And, and uh, yeah, that's something I, I always recommend to people because it makes me more comfortable giving presentations or on first dates back before I met my fiance, things like that, parties where you don't know anyone. So I I think those are all other opportunities where you're practicing. It's a very similar skill, public speaking and and improv. It's just kind of developing skills to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. Yes, improv is excellent. I love that you mentioned that. Some people that I do know, they, they have taken improv courses and it does help you feel comfortable being being in the moment, being unprepared, just being uncomfortable with the uncomfortable, because we are all going to have moments where we didn't know that we would have to speak up or give our thought, opinion on something. But it happens to us in everyday life. Even when you're chatting with a friend, your friend asks you about something and maybe you hadn't thought about it before, but you answer him or her in the moment. But improv is absolutely a, a great way to sharpen your off-the-cuff speaking skills. So a lot of people do utilize that. I think improv is especially helpful too for people who want to speak on panels because I know that's one reason people get nervous about when they're asked to be on a panel. Now, if you're on a panel where they give you the questions in advance that, hey, these questions can be asked, good, that's a little bit different. That's good. At least you can prepare somewhat. But More often than not, a lot of panels, you don't always know what the questions are going to be. You know what that topic overall is, but you don't know what will be thrown at you. (laughs) And that's what makes people nervous. I don't want to look like an idiot trying to answer this question. (laughs) The improv and even just impromptu questions. They have impromptu, they call it table topics games, I believe it. It's a game, a box of questions or cards that you can buy that... You just answer whatever that the question is asking you, but it's to get you thinking quickly on your feet and in the moment. And that is also good, like I was saying, for panels where you don't know what they're going to ask you, but improv and impromptu question games can definitely help with that. Absolutely. I perform at a a theater here in Charleston called Theater 99. And one of the games we have is called Expert Panel, where the audience gives me what I'm an expert in. 
and then has me talk. And so this Friday, someone made me an expert in waffles, but had me talk about Christmas lights. So it was just, it's just so wild, but uh, so fun. So fun to, to try. So yeah, definitely recommend improv. I'm curious. So someone comes to you and I, I'm looking to get a sense of what it's like working with you. Do you have like a, a checklist of like, all right, here's here's how we get you from never giving a presentation to TED Talk. Uh, yeah, I'm curious how, what that looks like. The women who come to me, I do have them fill out a consultation for a consultation call. They answer a few questions online on my website. So that at least gives me an idea of where they're struggling with. And I can get into more detail with them when I actually have the conversation with them. That's also good because if they're coming to me with something related to public speaking or presentation skills, that's not really in my wheelhouse, then I can refer them to someone else who I know would be better. For example, if you're saying, well, I want to do a TEDx talk coming up soon in my town. I want to prepare for that. I haven't done a TED talk yet myself. TED Talks are a whole different category in and of themselves. It's public speaking, but it's a whole different category. And there are coaches who deal specifically with that. So having them fill out the survey gives me an idea of what they need help with. It also gives me an idea of what their goals are. What do they want to do with their public speaking exactly? It's rare for someone to just say, I just decided to take public speaking just to feel more comfortable. Yes, that would be great if that happens because we can all be better at this skill, but they usually have some particular reason that, that they are asking. And then it lets me know also how ready they are to start working with the coach on my, on my survey. You know, I ask them just to rate themselves one to five, how ready they are. And then once we get on the actual phone call, which is 30 minutes at the most, I can dig in a little deeper with them to find out what is the crux of the issues? What are they really struggling with? And once I decide that, okay, this would be a good coaching client relationship. This is someone who I can help. Then at that point, really the ball is in your court if they want to make the investment and if they would like to start working with me. I give them two ways they can work with me if they want to do what's called a presentation intensive, where it's kind of like, oh, I'm having a presentation coming up quickly and I need to work on this. Mm -hmm. They're most likely not somebody who's new to it, but they can work with me in that way. And that's just four hours of us together. And then there's also a 12 week coaching package. Obviously, that's for someone who needs a lot more help. But before we even start working together, I'm going to establish your goals. What is it specifically? I want you to give me a couple goals that you really want to hit during our time together. You cannot tell me five and six goals because even during the course of 12 weeks, you need to focus on a couple things that you really want to hit. Of course, during our time together, we're going to be able to hit a lot of other things in the process that you probably wanted to work on. But it really is client-driven. Coaching is a little bit different from consulting, consulting, you bringing me in, I'm telling you what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Coaching, I am still going to tell you what you need to do to get where you want to be. But this really is a partnership. Mm-hmm. I 
and letting you set the end goal here, I'm going to show you how to get there. I'm going to show you the tools, the methodologies, the formulas, the structures, everything that you need to get there. So I really am, I'm very particular about who I work with, in particular about the goals that they set, because I want to make sure that they do reach their goals. So a lot of it is driven by them, the end goal, but I'm going to show you how to get there. What makes a good public speaker? Good public, well, public speaking in general, content, delivery, structure, I would say those are the three bedrock elements, the foundation of public speaking. So a good public speaker, you're going to take from those different areas. The content for one, like I said, what content needs to go in here? What's the core message? That's the first thing I like to establish with my client, because a lot of them will have something in general, maybe a nebulous idea about what I need to talk about. But if you don't know what the one message is that you need to hit, you're going to go in every direction. And this is not going to support the bottom line message. And you're going to confuse the audience. You're going to ramble. You're going to go off track. No one's going to know what you're saying. So <laughs> content and that when we talk about that content is very key. What do we need to put in this presentation? When we talk about delivery, how, how, are, we, how are we looking at our verbal and our nonverbal, AKA body language? That is important there. So how do we, how do we engage the audience with our words? Vocal variety in that sense. And then our body, how our stage presence is when we actually own the stage, when we pace the stage, are you just standing still? Are you using gestures? Things like that all come in delivery. The structure of the presentation, you can have the best content in the world, but it does need to have order. It needs to have a logical flow to it. The audience needs to be able to follow you easily. So that's really what makes a good public speaker. A lot of things fit, almost everything, quite honestly, fits into those three boxes. When we talk about engagement, because that's a big, with, big thing with the audience, how do I engage my audience? How do I interact with them? A lot of that will fall under delivery. Your content, how do I manage my nervousness? We will talk about that. I'll give you a few techniques for that, too. Something's going to work for you. Not every suggestion that I give when it comes to managing nerves may work but something's going to work for you. So I just wanted to add that there. That's great. I feel bad for people who are listening to this and, and not seeing how you're delivering everything that you've been saying to me, because there's a corresponding hand, hand movement. You're using your smile. You're, you're changing how your facial expression is. It's incredible is, is incredibly engaging how you're speaking right now so I just want people to kind of get a feel for how you just said that because it was it was incredibly charming that was that was wonderful thank you for all the information today's episode is sponsored by my software tutor can excel be my friend do you want a new friend thinking about making new friends both makes me excited and sad so it, it can be hard to make friends as you get older. And so I feel like sometimes you get surrounded by people. It's like, yeah, I guess we're friends. But also if you truly connect with someone, you can make new friends as, as, a, as an adult. On both sides of the fence here. 
<laughs> so Excel can be your friend, or it could be surrounding you. That's just probably because you don't know it that well. Many people have deviated so far from the copy. Let me get back to it. Can Excel be my friend? Many people have wondered this for years. The answer is, yes, it can. That was so much shorter than where I was going with it. All right, let's talk about my software tutor. They offer three levels of real-time Zoom-based courses with a live instructor. They all deliver practical, functional business skills in a friendly, supportive environment. That sounds nice. I mean, it could be so daunting to learn Excel or make friends. These courses will increase your marketability, whether you're an employee, job seeker, consultant, or contractor. That sounds pretty good. Register at mysoftwaretutor.com and use the promo code POD20 to save and use the promo code POD20 to save 20% off all re 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 registrations. <laughs> you kind of led me right to my next question, which is this is a podcast about anxiety and mental health and trying to make things a little less scary where possible. So I think at the, at the end of the day, people understand, all right, if I'm prepared, we go through these coaching sessions, you know, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be feeling good. I get out there and I, uh, I, I, I stumble, right? Like that could always happen. Do you have tips for people, I, I, I guess, for just generally releasing their, or their anxiety or alleviating their anxiety and, and what, or, and then maybe something that they could do in a worst case scenario where they, they come out of the gate stumbling and their confidence is shot. I do. So I have a few tips that will help people to manage the nervousness. And if you notice my wording just now, I said manage nervousness. I didn't say eliminate nervousness. <laughs> Why? Because even the best speakers, the top speakers in the world, they'll tell you they still feel a little bit of nervousness, that little, you know, that tensing up slightly or the butterfly in your body and your stomach right before they hit the stage. So nerves are for everybody. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe we'll make that a slope. Nerves are for everybody, but it's how you manage them, because we so often think about nerves in a negative way. But you know what? Nerves can also be a good thing. It depends on how you think about them. It's it's so true. <laughs> Just to jump in real quick, I've been performing for more than 10 years on stages and I used to be afraid of and that nerve and now I I want that feeling. I I want I want, it's like a drug. It's a very positive rush of adrenaline. So yeah, I just wanted to back up what you were saying to people like, I was scared as hell. And now I look forward to getting on stage. You just feel alive. So yes, I'm sorry. You yeah. You feel alive. That's exactly what I tell my clients. I'm like, if you actually don't feel at least a little bit of nervous, I'm not talking about full-blown paralysis, but a little bit of nerves, still a couple butterflies in your stomach then I probably would worry about you. <laughs> when you are at least a little nervous, that shows that you really do care about your presentation, about your public speaking performance. So we don't want to think that nerves are bad or you should not have any. No, no. That means that you do care about what you're about to speak to this audience about. Also, nerves, nerves and excitement are really the same sensation in your body. If you think about it, that that tingling that we feel we're excited about something and then also that that tingling we feel when we're a little nervous, 
it really is the same sensation. So I like to tell my clients to, to channel it differently. I'm not going to think about nerves in a negative way that I'm going to trip up here. I'm not going to do well because I'm nervous. No, I'm going to think about nerves as I'm excited to speak to my audience. These are my friends here. That's another tactic you can use. Think of the audience as friends here. I'm excited to add value to them today. I have something important to tell them. So you want to channel that nervousness into excitement. When we start getting nerves, it's usually that stress hormone, it's cortisol that starts coursing through our veins. But if we think about it in a positive sense, it really can help the positive endorphins that happen, the, the dopamine and all of that stuff. So it really is a mind thing. Like how they say it, it's it's all mental. You know, we used to hear that when we were growing up. It's all mental. I didn't get that when I was a kid, but when I got an adult, got to be an adult, then I understood what they mean. It really does start with your mentality about everything. So mindset is the first thing that I teach my clients, aside from being prepared, like you said, because you got to be prepared first. Then it's mindset. How do you think about it? Don't think that the audience is here to waste their time, like we touched upon earlier. They are here to see you. They're excited to see you. They want to get the value that you have for them. But other ways that I also teach my clients, and this is before they hit the stage, if you feel like you need to, to do something to calm yourself. One technique is called sense memory. I don't know if you heard of that, Patrick, sense memory. No, I haven't. Okay. So this is a tactic that is, is often used by actors. Some actors were trained in this. Like it's, it's not a brand new technique, but speakers can also use it as well. It's when you recall an experience that you've had before in which you want to exhibit the same quality to the audience that you had in that experience before. So here's an example. When I won the Toastmasters, because I'm a, I'm a lifelong Toastmaster. I don't know if you've heard of that organization, but public speaking and leadership organization. So when I competed in the humor speech contest for my district, in 2014 so it was eight of us competing for the number one the number one winner spot for that year I won out of eight people competing on the stage congratulations for the humorous contest so that's one that's one memory that I will call back to why because that was a time where I felt confident on the stage I felt like I own that stage and I was funny, like naturally funny, not that forced humor stuff. Mm. So that's a moment where I'm going to recall that experience because I may, I want to exhibit the same qualities to the audience I'm speaking to right now. I want to show them how confident and calm I'm up here, how I own the stage effortlessly and how I am funny. So that's an example of sense memory recalling back an experience where you want to exhibit the same quality to this audience that you had before. Another tactic that you can use is visualization, which you probably heard of, of that. Visualization is pretty common with people, but visualization is simply, it's simply rehearsing mental images in your mind. It's you seeing, it's seeing yourself having or doing 
whatever it is that you want in that moment. In this example, having a successful presentation. So you're literally going to walk yourself through everything that you see happening, leading up to that presentation at the presentation. You would want to sit in a comfortable chair. You'd want to be in a quiet space. You want to close your eyes and you literally want to walk yourself through what that successful presentation day of looks like. I think about, for example, if I'm waking up in the morning and I'm feeling excited about the presentation, I'm excited to speak to this audience. I'm driving down the road to to the hotel conference room and my favorite song comes on the radio, which makes me feel even happier. I'm at the hotel conference room and I'm looking around at all these seats set out for the people who will soon be here to hear me speak. I see myself on the stage. My body gestures are on point. My vocals are <laughs> flawless. I get a standing ovation. That's all visualization. It's literally walking yourself through what you see yourself having or doing. And here's the funny thing. The brain cannot distinguish between what is real and what is imagined. There is scientific research to back up visualization. So it's not all some some hokey, hokey stuff. There is some real evidence to back it up. Incredible. Yeah, I mean, just watching you go through all of that, it got me confident, me being like, yeah, like I could do this. <laughs> but it's so true. I, I remember back, you know, this is a long time ago, but back when I was an athlete, I would do that and run through. I was a, a, a goalie in hockey and I would run through scenarios in my mind. And when I did that, I felt calmer and, and I was definitely more successful. So I think that that applies to, I don't know, building something, thinking you're going to be able to do whatever. It really is very powerful. So it's great that you have a, a bunch of tricks and it sounds like you really can help out people feel a bit more comfortable up there. Absolutely. And just to answer your question about what do you do once you're actually there on the stage, because I don't want to forget that you asked that as well. One thing to always bring on the stage with you, I don't care if you are the best speaker in the world, but especially if you are a newer speaker, it is okay to bring an outline to the stage with you, an outline of your speech, you know, maybe some note cards with a few of the major points on, on each bullet card, not a whole word for word of your speech printed, but the major parts of, of your speech and outline of it, have it placed nearby on a table or on a podium. If you absolutely blink out, first of all, don't get flustered, don't make a big deal out of it. You can calmly refer to your notes and just go back, pick back up where you left off. The audience is very forgiving. Most people don't want to be in a stage themselves. <laughs> so they are very forgiving. So if you really do have a mind blank, don't get flustered. Don't make a big deal out of it. Let the audience know, hey, I just, I got too excited for a moment here. So apparently I, I need to just go and, and get my place back again so I can c- continue on. Just, just get a laugh. keep going with it. People keep going with, with it. Yeah. They'll be, they'll be with you. Do you wish you were one of those thoughtful card people but don't have the time or energy? I don't know why I did bunny ears on that. Or maybe you had a personal assistant. I like to pretend sometimes when I'm running errands that I am my own person. 
I make up games in my head. I might be revealing too much about myself. But you don't need to pretend to be your own personal assistant. At least when it comes to cards. Because the Cardist Studio is your personal assistant. Let's set up a situation. You think, oh, I should send them a card. But things get in the way. You're busy. All you'd have to do is jump onto thecardiststudio.com and tell them exactly what just popped in your head and, and why. And you'll get credit for your thoughtfulness. Here's what they'll do with that information. They'll get your personalized message handwritten into the card and into the mail for you. And you don't have to save space in your brain for this character that you've created as a made-up personal assistant. This bit is really getting off the rails. <laughs> it's fast, it's custom, and it's a total life changer. Hey, you are a thoughtful card person now. TheCardistStudio.com. Thoughtful. Just got easy. And you can use the promo code ANXIETYPOD for 10% off your orders. I had a uh, a coach who used to work with everyone at the company I was working for when I when I was doing more news video and, and news reporting, who recommended for for big events or big things that you're gonna do wearing your favorite pair of socks or shoes that make you feel powerful. Is that something that you tell your clients to do? Absolutely. Well, I would say this when it comes to shoes. It's, yes, it's aesthetic, but it's also, especially for women, I want you to wear shoes that you feel comfortable in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Those stilettos <laughs> might look great for photos of you on the stage, but yeah. you are not going to want to stand in stilettos for 25, 30 minutes. Right. Some Take women can do it. Yeah, some women can do it. So more power to them. But if you know that's if you're not used to wearing stilettos like that for that period of time, do not do it. Get shoes that you have broken in. They're not brand new. So you don't know how you're going to be standing in them for a length of time. Get shoes that are broken in. Have an outfit that makes you feel spectacular. Because what you have on the outside, that is going to affect you on the inside. You are going to feel more powerful, more confident. So you got to wear something that feels good on you and it looks good. The material matters, but also how it looks on you. So I absolutely agree with that. That can come down to a lipstick. Some For some people, a red lipstick makes them really, feel really good for some women. For men, some men, like you said, maybe it is a certain pair of socks. Because I don't, these socks they have for men, now these dress socks are very jazzy. Yeah. <laughs> Lately that I've been seeing. Fun, so, yeah. you know, maybe it's, it's a cool pair of socks that, that they're wearing. So, absolutely. What we put on our bodies, it can affect our, our whole presence when we're on the stage. Love that. Yeah, definitely not the time to wear something that you haven't really worn before either. It's like, go with, uh, you're probably already thinking of the outfit that you would use, right? So it's like, yes, that's the one. <laughs> that's the one. Exactly. That's the one. So I, we touched on this a little bit before. I'm terrible at times. My like, uhs, and ums. Is that just something that I should be focusing on? at all times and and not let ever drop from the forefront of my mind? Or how do I improve uh, that as I do it again? Um, I I guess I'll call it mistake or or bad habit probably is a better way to describe it. Here's the thing, like with, I think most things in life, it's all about moderation or frequency. 
dropping an occasional um or uh is is not going to kill you. The audience is not going to get up and leave and that's not going to happen. During this interview, I'm sure I said um or uh probably a couple of times. The problem is when you say these filler words so often that they are hindering the audience from hearing your message. That's when there's an issue. And sometimes we don't know it's an issue unless someone tells us or we watch the recording of our speech. If you are self-aware, that's great. There are some people that are, but for others, you really might need someone to tell you or you might need to watch the evidence yourself. So what happens with crutch words? I call them crutch words or filler words. Why do we use them for one? Aren't a lot of people uncomfortable with silence, it seems? Mm -hmm. They are uncomfortable with any lulls in a conversation. Anything that that they're saying, like they feel like I need to fill this space with something. And that's where the ums, the us, the so's, the long so's or the long and, that's when those come in. People are not comfortable with silence. So that's really the first reason why someone would use it in the first place when really it's about pausing. And that's what I tell people. They're looking for a magic pill. And I tell them, no, you don't want a pill. The P that you want to use is called pause. You just need to pause for a second after you finish saying the the last phrase, the last thought that you have there. You're trying to gather yourself to figure out what it is that you need to say next, that you wanted to say next, pause for a second. It is not going to kill you. And you will pick right up. You'd be surprised. Plus, the audience might think that the pause is intentional. You could look like you really are in deep thought. And that's another trick. If you really do lose your space and you are, you don't want to say the crutch word, you know, pace the stage for a moment and appear to be in deep thought. The audience won't be the wiser. And then you can pick right up without using a crutch word. Another reason that we may use crutch words, it's our minds racing so fast ahead of our mouth. (laughs) That's how I like to call it. You got the thought in your head. I do know what I want to say. I didn't forget. I know what I want to say. But it's just like a rush, rush, rush. There's some kind of disconnect there with your mind and your mouth. Something is racing and it's most likely your thoughts. So you just need to actually calm yourself down, calm your speech down, slow it down a little, give yourself a moment and then go on to your next thought. It's just that we want to fill it with something. We want to fill that space there. Pausing is very effective to help prevent these filler words. That's great advice. I also think that giving a pause allows the audience a moment to absorb your point and and breathe it in and 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 catch up with you for a second you know that's not such a bad thing for them to just have a minute uh, you know they they see you taking a pause and it allows their brains to reset a bit because at times i've seen public speakers kind of throw too much information at once and not understand that the audience doesn't have the same expertise and and needs a little bit of a slower pace or some time to digest. 
absolutely. I love that you brought that up. Pauses do serve their purpose. They they really do. And you gave one great example. One reason that you would want to use a pause is, especially after you've asked the audience a question or you've said something very thought-provoking, where you really should want the audience to marinate on it a bit, you need to pause after you ask that question or after you say that poignant phrase, that thought. Pause. Let them take in what you just said. Don't immediately step on your thoughts is what I call it when you're trying to go from one part to the other really fast. It's like you're you're trampling on your thoughts a bit. No, no, no. Give them time to really absorb what you have just said. After all, you put this speech together. There are going to be certain points that you do want to stick with the audience. And how can they do that? If you let them, if you give them a moment to think about it. But again, people usually don't because quiet can be uncomfortable for some speakers. But the more you speak, the more you will get out of that. But pausing is effective to let people absorb what you have just said. Pausing is very effective also when you need to get the audience's attention back. That silence there. Some people don't think about that. When you see the audience starting to drift off, they look like they're becoming distracted, they're looking at their phones, there may even be conversations that are starting to happen at, at the tables. Let's just say you're in some type of room where there are tables of people they're listening to you. You see conversations starting to, to sprinkle around the room. Instead of what a lot of people do is they may try to keep calling back the audience like, hey, we're going to start, we're going to start, pause, pause. That's an easy way to get people back into you, the focus into you. It sounds counterintuitive, but if we be quiet for a moment, if we're quiet, the audience's attention will be directed back towards us and they will start to pay attention to what we are saying because they're going to wonder why you stopped speaking. Mm -hmm. They heard you speaking all this time, probably weren't paying attention, but the fact that you paused and you paused long enough to get their attention, that's good. That can bring them back in. Absolutely. You just paused and I felt a shift in my brain. Just try to pay attention to you more where it was just like, oh, like just something that was going on in my subconscious of like, oh no, she needs more. She needs more of my my listening here. What's happening? So yeah, I think it's definitely effective. This has been an incredible conversation. I just want to make sure, is there anything you think I'm missing? Anything that I may have left out that you think is important for people to know? Tell people to get the help that they need if they feel like it's really a problem. There is somebody out here who can help you with almost any issue on this earth, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's an expert for everything. So I would say if you feel like I, I really do need to improve my public speaking and presentation skills and you've tried a college course, because having most of us, if we went to college, we, we probably had a course and that course is 20 years ago and you were done with it. So even if it's a course or another course that you take, Or maybe it's videos, because some people will start watching a bunch of videos on YouTube for tips. 
But if that is not getting you where you need to be, because that can be a good start, then you may want to explore actually getting a professional to help you. And like I said, everybody is different. They have a different focus that they want to get better with, whether it's a TED Talk or you are someone in a professional environment. Just find a coach, find a trainer who is best for you. It's going to help you in leaps and bounds than you struggling yourself to figure out a plan that's going to help you. So that's my... That's my recommendation. That's the best. That's the best advice. Yeah, I think that's a that is the theme of this podcast is that you don't have to do anything on your own. There are experts out there and and we can make the world an easier, less scary place if we just acknowledge and and reach out to the people who are capable of of helping us. Yes, totally agree. How uh, how can people get a hold of you if they would like to work with you? And and I, I think, you know, if you have a website or, or social media you'd like to mention, I, I'm sure people will like to uh, get a hold of you. Yeah, so my website is rokitajohnson.com. So just my name. I am also very active on Instagram at rokitajohnson underscore public speaking. I am also on LinkedIn if anyone would like to connect with me. My name is spelled R-O-Q-U-I-T-A. So Rokita Johnson. As far as I know, I'm the only Rokita Johnson on there. So that's the good part. You can easily (laughs) find me. (laughs) I also have a YouTube page, again, under my name, Rokita Johnson, where I have a lot of videos there. If you'd like to check out some tips. They are there. If you go to my website as well, I also have a, a freebie for anyone that signs up for my email list. It's more so geared towards women, but definitely if you want a freebie on how you can start improving your public speaking skills each day over 30 days, because that's what the focus of that freebie is. Maybe you just need to start somewhere. You can sign up for my email list and that freebie will be sent right to you. Incredible. Yeah. And you also have a book that you've, you've written. Tell me about the yes. book. Yes. So I am a co-author of Speak Up, The Ultimate Guide to Dominate in the Speaking Industry. It is myself, along with 30 other experts in the public speaking wow. field. So this book is great if you are an aspiring, emerging, or current speaker, and you really are serious about the speaking industry. I'm going to tell you about a keynote speech, what goes into that, but also the tips are good for any type of speech that I give in my chapter. There's another person who's going to talk to you about what you should have on your speaker website. Someone else is going to tell you what you need to have as far as public relations, media, and all that so that you can really get visibility, get yourself out there. Someone else is going to talk about things for your speaking business, like insurance and all those other things that we don't want to think about, but we do need to think about. So it really is, it's just a wealth of knowledge from all, all the different authors who we are in public speaking, but we have different specialties. So that book is out. It's through the Black Speakers Network. That's who did, did this book. We're all a part of that. And yeah, it's great. It's on Amazon. You can also get the book on my website as well if you want a personally signed copy. If you go to Amazon, I can't help you there with the personally signed copy. But if you go to my website, (laughs) I can send it to you. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for all that. And thank you so much for your time.
Thank you so much, Patrick. Thank you so much to Rakita. A lot of good information in there. I hope this, and I hope that interview helps you improve your public speaking. You know, I know how daunting it can be. Before I get to the weird thing that caused me anxiety this week, I want to remind you of the Buy Me a Coffee link. It's just a way to make a donation to the show if you're liking it. It's in the description wherever you're listening. If you're looking to sign up for Instacart, if you do if you do so through the link in the description, you'll be telling Instacart that this show sent you, which also helps support this show. Then there's my software tutor who's offering the promo code POD20 for 20% off your order. And the Carter Studio is offering 10% off your order with the promo code ANXIETYPOD. Okay, so the weird thing that was causing me anxiety, it's probably causing me anxiety now. It's not now for me since this is in the future. I'm really keeping that bit up, huh? But while I'm away, Ollie will be, Ollie the dog will be at, uh, you heard his name, a boarding place. And it's great. Like the reviews are great. He loves going there. But I, you know, the whole time that he's, I'm away from him, I'm nervous that, is he scared? Is he comfortable? And so missing my puppy. <laughs> will be what will be causing my anxiety as you're listening to this love that pup well as always thank you so much for listening have a great week and i'll talk to you on thursday bye